now with the latest from the world of technology. This is the Tech Guide podcast with Stephen Fennick. Let's jump straight in. Tech Guide. This was a real effort to push into that growing consumer space, very competitive space in Australia. It does give the user plenty of options, whether you're working or viewing content on the device. Keeping you updated and educated. This is the Tech Guide podcast. Knowing Apple, you just don't know what to expect. They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 183, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer news, products, and opinions. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. And our first-time listeners, welcome. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, why USB-C is the next big thing in technology. Alcatel One touches new devices. Why our smartphones are our favorite travel companions. And Star Wars, episode 8. Release date has been delayed. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Microsoft Band 2. We're also going to check out the Singlet Pulse LED globes that are also speakers. And we share our thoughts on the new Steve Jobs movie starring Michael Fassbender. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products and Norton the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Before we jump into the show this week, we just want to make a a little announcement about Tech Guide. It's actually our fifth birthday. We've been, uh, we set up Tech Guide five years ago, back in 2011. Five years has flown like a flash. Just wanted to take this opportunity to thank all of our loyal readers who have stuck by us that whole time and everyone else who supports the site, listens to our podcast, our friends in the tech industry, our advertisers. We are thrilled uh, that we're doing business with you guys and we're happy that you're listening, happy that you're reading because we want to keep you updated and educated about all that latest technology. Anyway, it's time to get the show started. Well, USB-C, this is something you're going to be hearing about a lot this year. If you haven't already heard about it, this is going to be the next big thing in technology. Now, can you remember when USB first came around? It was quite a while ago. It was an easy way to connect peripherals. It was a standard that everyone adopted from all the different computer companies, and it's come a long way. We've had USB 2, we've had USB 3. Well, now we've got a new type of USB. It's called USB-C. Now, this is a new standard of connectivity that we're already seeing. If you've got a MacBook, the new 12-inch MacBook, it has only a USB-C port. The latest Nexus smartphones, they also have a USB-C port. Now, why change from the normal USB? Why USB-C? Well, for a start, it's a massive improvement. Well, the, the, the speeds, the, uh, the ability to transmit power, data, and content all at the same time. Uh, also, just from a pure convenience perspective, USB-C is also reversible. So there's no such thing as upside down. How many of you have connected a USB, a micro USB cable and had to work out what the right side was up. I do it every day. Well, now that's a thing of the past. 
both sides, same deal. So it's a little bit like lightning on the, on an iPhone. No need to uh, get the uh, that cable out the right way. Every way is the right way. Well, that's what you're going to get with USB-C, and that is one, one of the many benefits. And as I said, USB-C has many abilities, and the ability to transmit data is obviously one of them. can carry up to 10 gigabits per second. can also, uh, and, and that, by the way, is twice the speed of USB 3, I should add there, also can carry power. So 100 watts uh, or 3 amps of power output. And at the very same time, can also transmit 4K video as well as the audio. That's all at the same time. So this high-capacity cable might not look like much, but boy, has it really upped the game for USB. Now, having said that, not all USB-C is created equally, especially in the cable department. Here's where you've got to be really careful. USB-C cables are going to be more expensive than regular USB. Reason being is that each cable needs a small chipset right near the uh, the end of the cable. So when you see a USB-C cable, uh, the head of the cable is actually quite large. reason for that is because there's a little chipset in there that has to uh, help that speed and efficiency. Also, each USB-C has to have a certification. Every cable needs to be certified. And the read to get that certification, you need that chipset. So uh, you are going to see cables. Uh, they're going to be slightly more expensive than normal USB cables. But what we're going to see also is the switchover from our regular devices, say our smartphones and our computers. We're going to see USB-C adopted in more computers, more smartphones, more devices, tablets are all going to adopt USB-C. But in the meantime, what do you do to connect your devices? Say, for example, you're using a MacBook. MacBook already has USB-C. And you want to connect your iPhone to the MacBook with a cable. Well, you'll need to connect a, you need a cable that's got lightning on one end and USB-C on the other. Now, to help make this easier, Belkin, the company that is very well known for supplying computer uh, accessories like cables and hubs and things like that, they've actually uh, created a really good resource center on the Belkin site that allows users to not only understand a bit more about USB-C, but also they can all check to see what they require if they want to make one device connect to another, uh, if they need to extend the abilities. Like, for example, the MacBook has got one USB-C port. But if you want to charge the MacBook as well as transmit data or connect a cable to watch a video, well, you can't do it all through the one port. You're going to need a hub. So the, the Belkin site explains these things, as I explained about the phone to the MacBook and all these other examples. There are ways that you can understand, okay, I've got this sort of phone, I've got this sort of tablet, I need them to connect, I've got this sort of computer, and the Belkin site allows you to really easily find that out. USB-C, it's here to stay. It's a, it's a really interesting technology. It is allowing all of those functions through one single cable. So uh, pretty remarkable technology just there. You are going to hear more about it, and if you want to read more about it, you can do that at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenwick. Tech Guide, keeping you updated and educated.
Well, while we were at the Consumer Electronics Show, we did maybe touch on a couple of the devices we saw at the Alcatel One Touch Stand, uh, the XS, which is that 17.3-inch Android tablet. But while we were there, we did also see the upcoming range of smartphones. Alcatel One Touch, as we've discussed before on the program, is actually the number three smartphone brand, smartphone seller, by volume. And we're talking, uh, they are third behind two little companies called Apple and Samsung. So they are punching well above their weight there. They're doing very well. Reason for that is because they're the sort of company that is selling high-quality devices at very affordable prices. One of the devices we spoke about last year on the show was the Alcatel OneTouch Idol 3. Now, this was a device, I think it was 379 bucks, but I think could hold its own against phones that would cost three times as much. This is why Alcatel is competitive, and the reason for, for that uh, ability to create these products at those affordable prices is because Alcatel make everything in-house, end-to-end, from components to screens to every single part of that phone is all made within their own factory, hence the reason why they can keep the costs down. Not many other companies can say that. Well, we had a chance to look at Alcatel OneTouch's 2016 range of devices that we're going to be seeing soon, and we're quite impressed. We're going to talk about a couple now. One that caught our eye was the Alcatel OneTouch X1. This is a really premium-looking phone, really thin. It's only 6.9 millimeters thick, 5-inch Super AMOLED display, so really popped. That display looked amazing. Uh, It's called the X1. On the back, you'll find an X, a very subtle X etched into the back panel. And if you take a look at the pictures on Tech Guide, you, you can actually catch the light. And uh, I took the photo and you can actually see the X quite clearly. It's got a physical home button as well, octa-core processor, 13 megapixel rear camera. Expect this to be on uh, on the shelves in the next couple of months and it's going to be well under $400. Similar spec phone like this, you can expect to pay 1000 if you're buying it from Samsung or one of these other bigger brands. Uh, Moving along the Pixie 4 range, that's kind of the the bread and butter range for Alcatel. They range in size from 3.5 inches all the way up to those 7-inch phablets. reason I call it a phablet, people, is because it's a tablet that can make phone calls, but will you be game enough to hold a 7-inch tablet to your head to make a phone call? Well, if you have to, you have to, but... The capability is there. Whether people take up that uh, that use uh, and make phone calls on this monstrous device, uh, that'll soon be seen. It's got a high-definition 1280 by 720 display. Uh, really interesting product, that one. Moving on to the Pop Star. Uh, Pop is a range is, is part of a lot of the range of names of, of their smartphones. In this instance, Pop Star is their new 5-inch 8-megapixel camera, and the, uh, the the standout feature for these phones is the ability to change the colors of the phone. So you can pop out the back and choose from different textures. You can even get a leather, uh, leather back panel, denim, even wood grain. I think Motorola had a similar type of uh, device last year. Well, uh, and LG also had the G4 with a leather back as well. Well, the Popstar's got them all covered because that does wood, leather, and denim, as well as all these other colors and patterns. Uh, moving along, the Alcatel One Touch Go Play, appropriately named because here's a waterproof phone, and uh, being a, an outdoor society here in Australia who loves the beach, loves the water, 
Here is a phone that can go one metre uh, to a depth of one metre for up to 30 minutes. So how many of you have accidentally dunked your phone, uh, dropped it in the toilet? You know what? It happens more often than you think. Uh, dropped a drink on it. I don't know. Had some kind of spill uh, and boom, phone's dead. Well, not the case with the Go Play. It's waterproof. Doesn't even need a housing for it to be waterproof. So very impressive. Uh, and that also has a companion smart uh, smart watch as well called the Go Play smart watch so uh, that is also waterproof got a heart rate monitor and uh, altimeter plenty of features great range of little products there Alcatel one touch they had a big year in 2015 and we predict they're going to have a, a, a decent probably an even bigger year in 2016 and you can hang out for all of those reviews are going to be uh, up on tech guide if you want to take a quick sneak peek at those devices we just spoke about you know where to go techguide.com.au Well, who loves to travel? We all love to travel. And one of the first things we consider, though, is who are we going to travel with? Well, you decide whether you're going to do a trip with the boys or the girls or with your partner, with your family. Well, that's a decision that changes person to person, changes because of the circumstances. But one travel partner that is always by our side, and that is our smartphone. Interesting stats and interesting research from Expedia. Uh, This was a study conducted among more than 9,600 travellers from 19 countries. It was interesting to see how Australians and their thoughts of travelling with a smartphone, it compared globally uh, with the thoughts uh, worldwide. Uh, 91% of Australians have a smartphone and they love to take them traveling with them. Uh, The smartphones rank uh, globally, in Australia included, as the most indispensable travel item ahead of a driver's license. Now, having some form of ID is essential when you travel. Well, now having a smartphone is even more essential. More than half of respondents, this is globally, 60%, they wouldn't go on holidays without a smartphone. Aussies, in line with that, they said 61% of Australians wouldn't not wouldn't go on a holiday without their smartphone as well. Uh, but only 61% of us, now who travels and leaves their mobile phone on the bedside table in the hotel? Who uses it as an alarm clock? Personally, I turn my phone off uh, when I'm sleeping overseas in a hotel because the time difference, it has been a couple of times where people don't know you're overseas, they ring you at 4 o'clock in the morning, your time, and wait you up. That's the reason why I don't use uh, a smartphone next to my bed. I turn it off. But 60% globally uh, use a smartphone next to their bed. Australians are 61%, so all just about in line there. Uh, only 61% the of Australians sleep with their mobile beside their beds. That's a, that's a good move, I think. Uh, also, we're, we're not too fussed when we travel about keeping the device charged. Funny that, because we, we do love to have it with us, but keeping it charged isn't essential. So 28% keep their device charged on the go. They The, the 28% carry a rechargeable battery to keep it charged on the move. Uh, 50% of people from Malaysia, Thailand, and Taiwan uh, also carry that uh, rechargeable battery pack. But only 12% of Australians carry an extra battery when they're traveling. They're happy to go back to the hotel, recharge it during happy hour before they head out again. Uh, Only 20% of Aussie business travelers purchase in-flight Wi-Fi. 
Maybe we just like to chill on the plane. We don't like to do too much work. And that's compared with 34% of global travelers who who uh, to connect with their Wi-Fi as well. And even overseas, I find this odd as well, only 53% of Australians seek out free Wi-Fi. But uh, 70% of global travelers are on the hunt for the Wi-Fi as well. I, I, I find that odd that we're, uh, we're, also, we're too busy drinking and having a good time, I think, on our holidays and looking for bloody Wi-Fi. But uh, all Australians are also less likely to check in on work while they're traveling. 42% admit to checking twice a day or more, but 53% of global travellers do the same thing. So Aussies, again, a little bit more laid back on the holidays. Now, here's an interesting part of uh, the survey that I found quite amusing, and it was the things our pet peeves for mobile etiquette violations. Now, I'm going to uh, – the, the global aver- average and the Australian average in some of these cases are similar. Aussies, are, there's quite a discrepancy in some. One of the pet peeves, playing music games or videos without headphones. Have you ever been on a bus or a train with someone or even on a plane? Someone's playing a video out loud and you can hear it. Well, that pisses off 48% of Australians and 58% of global travellers. What about making or taking calls while on speakerphone so you can hear both sides of the conversation? 54% of Aussies hate that. 57% of global travellers also hate that. So stop doing it, people. Taking photos or videos of strangers. Now, who does that? 37% of Aussies think this is uh, this annoys them. 48% of global travellers as well. What about when you're travelling, texting or emailing while attending a seated performance. In other words, you're at a show, you're in a movie. This annoys Aussies. 41% of Aussies found this annoying, uh, which was higher actually than the global average of 35%. But here's my favourite. This is a pet peeve of some people, and it is taking photos using a tablet. Now, I'm sure you've seen people doing this, uh, these large devices, using it as their camera. Well, that annoys only 10% of Australians, but 13% of global travellers find that a bit of a mobile etiquette violation. Really interesting stats. They are courtesy of Expedia. If you want to see all of them and check out those funny uh, mobile etiquette violations, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Okay, got a little bit of Star Wars news here. Very short segment, this one, for uh, anyone thinking that, oh, he's talking about Star Wars again. Well, this is a very short segment, and I'm rather disappointed to have to actually talk about this, to be to be honest. Uh, well, Episode 8 uh, of the follow-up, which is the follow-up to what's in, currently in cinemas now, just coming to the end of its theatrical run of Star Wars The Force Awakens, as you all know, was Episode 7 uh, in, the, in, the star, in the saga. Well, Episode 8, which uh, is going to start filming within within weeks, was initially due to be hit, uh, to hit cinemas to be released worldwide on December the 15th, 2017. That's less than 18 months away. I thought, how good is that? We're going to see Episode 8 in a year and a half. Well, my happiness didn't last too long because news came through late last week that Disney announced that no... It's not going to be released on May the 26th, 2017. What did I, I think I said December earlier. Twenty May 26, 2017 was the initial episode eight release date, which is actually a bit of trivia here for you. 40 years and one day after the release of the original Star Wars film in 1977. Wouldn't that have been lovely? 40th anniversary of Star Wars, boom, a new movie, episode eight. Well, not to be. 
It has been pushed back now. Episode 8, which will be directed by Ryan Johnson, who also directed a film called Looper, among others. And, well, the release date's now been pushed back to December the 15th, 2017, which is almost two years to the day when The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens opened in Australia on December 17, 2015. We're going to have to wait for to December 15, 2017 for the next chapter. Uh, I think that the 18-month or less than 18-month window was always going to be ambitious. And, well, I think Ryan Johnson appealed to Disney that he needed more time. And rather than rush the man, he is actually writing it as well as directing it. They decided, yep, we're going to push it back and it's going to be released in December. So all you Star Wars fans, me included, you're going to have to wait for Episode 8. But good news is there will be another Star Wars film this December, Star Wars Rogue One which is a breakout film, a break-off of the main story. Uh, this is a, a story set before the, uh, before the events of Episode Four, before the original Star Wars. You can remember the start of that film was Leia's ship trying to uh, outrun the Imperial Star Destroyer. Darth Vader catches up with them and uh, wants the Death Star plans that they stole. Well, Rogue One tells the story about how they actually stole those plans should be really interesting. You know, you can wait till December this year to see that, but you need to have to wait for December next year, December 2017, for episode eight. You want to read more about that and read our spoiler-free reviews and also the unanswered questions of The Force Awakens. You can see all of those at techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. Well, today, as you all know, we live in a world where cyber criminals are working overtime trying to find new ways to steal your personal information. The team at Norton is dedicated to keeping people safe online no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop, Norton's latest internet security solution, Norton Security Premium, is working behind the scenes to keep your your information, your identity, and your devices protected. It also comes with secure PC cloud backup, so you can back up and save your personal files, photos, and videos, and all your other memories, all those things that live on your smart devices. Well, for more information about Norton Security Premium and how to protect your online life, check out au.norton.com. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Okay, into our reviews. We're going to kick it off this week with a pretty important release, this one, the Microsoft Band 2. Now, this is a device that's part smart watch, part smart band, activity tracker, whatever you want to call it, because even a golf GPS can analyze your sleep. A very handy all-round product. Uh, this is now available. It's $379.95. And before you think, whoa, that's expensive, you've got to remember what it can actually do. It, it is all of those things I described. So it's a, it's a smart watch. Uh, gives you your reminders and all those notifications. It's also a smart, it's an activity tracker, so it's counting your steps. It's giving you advice on your workouts. It's uh, doing all those kinds of things. It's even uh, tracking your run. There's built-in GPS on this. So uh, you can leave your phone behind and go for a run using the Microsoft Band 2, and it will track your run. It will use GPS to not only map it, but also work out your speed, your average speed, 
all of those things, distance traveled, all using GPS. Very, very handy little feature. And it helps on the golf course too, which I'll discuss in a moment. But on the design side, it's a little bit chunkier than your regular activity band. There's a bit more to it. There's 11 sensors on board, including a heart rate sensor. A UV sensor in the clasp can also tell you when you need to get out of the sun or apply some, some sunscreen. And the other sensors include a a three-axis accelerometer, that heart rate sensor I mentioned, GPS, ambient light sensor, a barometer. It can even tell you the weather. Uh, Screen is an AMOLED screen. It's a 3.2 centimeters wide, so it's really easy to read. Uh, Very easy to scroll through all the smart tiles to get to whatever you're wanting to do, whether you want to check your messages, check your missed calls, or start a workout. Uh, All they're really easy to look at. Uh, the screen was our device. We had it not even a day, and we managed to scratch the screen. Don't ask us how, but uh, this was supposed to be made of scratch-resistant material, but, yep, we got a scratch on our one after one day, so be careful with it. Uh, you can wear it either way. You can wear it as a as a watch on the top of your wrist or maybe underneath if you sort of wear it on the, on the bottom of your wrist. Won't matter with your heart rate. It'll still take your heart rate no matter how you wear it. Now, as a fitness device, we have to say that's one of its strengths, uh, you know, obviously count your steps, the calories you're burning. Uh, if you're going to go for a run, a walk, a bike ride, or go to the gym, you can keep tabs on all of those things. Uh, but with the GPS built in, that's a big tick in the box. Other devices don't have that unless they're pretty expensive sports watches. The Apple Watch doesn't have GPS but can track your GPS if you've got your phone with you. So it can kind of piggyback off the phone to get that GPS happening, but Microsoft Band 2 can do it all by itself. Uh, you can also follow guided workouts. This is a handy little feature where uh, it's like having a little personal trainer telling you what to do, the exercise you need to do, how long you need to do it, whether they're gym workouts, park sessions, runs, all those different things. Uh, and the Microsoft community will, will be sharing them. They're already sharing them. So you can download workouts uh, that are contributed from other users. Uh, the band also works with your favorite fitness app. So don't worry if you're using Strava, RunKeeper, MyFitnessPal. It does work in with those as well. Uh, you can control music from your wrist too, so if you've got some headphones happening while you're running or whatever you're doing, you can also control that through the band as well. One thing though, it's not waterproof. Don't take this for a swim, you're going to break it. So uh, if it, you do get a splash in the rain or maybe while you're washing your hands, don't panic, it's okay, but don't take it for a swim, it's not waterproof. Now on the sleep tracking side, this is another handy feature, the Jawbone does this really well. Well now the Microsoft, Microsoft Band 2 also does it and just as well in in my opinion so it can give you information on how you sleep your your restful sleep deep sleep can uh, keep track of your heart rate how long it takes you to fall asleep even gives you a sleep efficiency score which i find really interesting so it tells you how efficiently you're sleeping uh, whether you're getting good restful sleep compared to normal sleep all that sort of stuff uh, and you can work to uh, it kind of guilts you into trying to sleep more that's one thing I've found with this thing. It's I need to sleep a little bit more. But anyway, my sleep efficiency is pretty high. So uh, my, the bang for my buck is pretty good while I'm sleeping. Uh, well, I mentioned the GPS and I mentioned its use on the golf course. This is, I think, one of the best features. And if you're a golfer, this would be uh, would justify you buying this just for this this 
feature. So golf GPS. Remember I said it had standalone GPS? Well, when you step a step on the golf course, it'll recognize what course you're playing, what hole you're on, and get this, it can even detect when you hit the ball. So you don't even have to write down a score at the end of the hole. It'll know when you've walked off the green to the next hole, and it'll keep your score. It detects the vibration of the ball, the club hitting the ball. Uh, unless you take a heavy divot on a practice swing, it's not going to count that as a shot, so be careful about that. But if you hit the ball, it's going to count it on the scorecard. Really handy uh, and just so, so easy. You don't have to write anything on the scorecard. It just, just punches it out at the end of the round. You can even go back hole to hole, see where every shot landed, how many shots you made. So it's a really good way to analyze your round once you finish playing. On the smart device side, of course, it pairs with via Bluetooth with Android's phones, iPhones, and Windows phones. Windows phone has a slight advantage. You can use the voice uh, assistant, Cortana, so you can reply to messages and take notes. So uh, that's the only advantage of pairing it with a Windows phone. Uh, but if it's an iPhone or Android, you can still get all, all your notifications, your texts, your emails, reminders, social media notifications, all of those things. You get a little vibration on your wrist and uh, a very, very good way to keep track of what's on your phone without having to pull it out of your pocket. Uh, it's also a company with a decent uh, app as well. The Microsoft Health app uh, does a really good job uh, giving you a top-down look at all of those all those that data, your sleep data, your exercise data, everything. It even makes suggestions. It's intelligent enough to see what you're doing, what what's working, what's not working. For example, you've had a good night's sleep and you're trained really well the next day. It'll say, look, you slept good, trained good. Let's try that again. So it makes these observations. Uh, so it's more than just giving you numbers. It's also making suggestions and, and these observations as well. Battery life, about two days uh, on a full charge, maybe two and a half if you're not doing much uh, training and getting a lot of notifications. And that may, that may come down. If you're using GPS a lot as well, that'll also uh, impact on the battery. But yeah, generally, two solid days. And that, that's pretty impressive considering the number of features on board. Well, there you go. The Microsoft Band 2. So now you can understand why it's $379.95. Got so many features. Uh, it, it is packed with features. A really handy product and uh, very impressive. Another impressive hardware release from Microsoft. You want to check out my full review? You know where to find it. Techguide.com.au Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide. Okay, our next product is Singled Pulse. Now, these are LED light bulbs. But they're no ordinary LED light bulbs. These are LED light bulbs that also happen to have a Bluetooth speaker on board, a Bluetooth JBL speaker, no less, on board. So you think about where you want your audio. Rather than you having to pick a, a spot in your house, find a PowerPoint, or go to the extreme of having multi-room audio, drilling holes in the ceiling and installing speakers, uh, it is a lot of work. Uh, and then you've got to connect them all up, and it's uh, it's by the time you're finished, it's quite an effort. So imagine a system that lets you have a speaker wherever you can put a light bulb in which is pretty good but considering you put light bulbs in your ceiling in lamps in all these areas that you are uh, that are around your home that are already there so no need to drill a new hole for a speaker the singled pulse globe pops straight into that light socket uh, whether it's a, a screw hole screw ba- a cap or a, a bayonet cap they are available in both and once they're installed uh, you have a master bulb 
which you connect via Bluetooth, not Wi-Fi, so no complicated pairing and codes and, and passwords and all that for your Wi-Fi. Once you connect the master with Bluetooth, you can connect up to seven other satellite globes. So you can have a little uh, audio speaker, a little network of speakers around your house. Uh, the globes themselves are LED globes. They, uh, they'll last for, for years, for decades, because it's an LED globe. It has 15 watts of power as a light, 30 watts of power as a speaker. And I remember telling you it's a JBL speaker. These sound amazing. As I said in my review, it's going to be the best sounding light bulb you've ever heard. So give it a try. It is, it's 349 bucks for the starter kit, so you get the master and the satellite bulb. You download the app and control not only the lighting, but also the audio through that app as well. 349 to get you started, master and satellite bulb. You've got to remember, there's two speakers in that box, not only two bulbs, but two speakers as well. So if you think 349 for two light globes, yep, but there are two Bluetooth speakers in there as well. And if you want to add more, the satellite bulbs are $169 each. Uh, you can read my full review. There's a link at the bottom if you want to check out the site where you can buy them from. The Sengled Pulse LED Globes Speakers on Board review is at techguide.com.au. Okay, in cinemas on February the 4th is a film that's simply called Steve Jobs. And no prizes for guessing which Steve Jobs we're talking about. The former head of Apple, co-founder of Apple, uh, sadly passed away in 2011. Uh, this film, based on the Walter Isaacson official biography, written by none other than Aaron Sorkin. I'm a massive fan of his work. Starring Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs, directed by Danny Boyle, himself an Oscar winner. So uh, a great, great team there with great writer, great actor, great director. And I have to say, I watched this movie last week and I was very impressed. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I kind of knew the background of this this period that they decided to cover. Now, doesn't paint the most flattering picture of Steve Jobs. And uh, the, the, the book is is like that as well. The book's a warts and all look at Steve Jobs. But what Aaron Sorkin has done here, he's constructed this film in an interesting way. He's, he's created a three-act screenplay that is, and each of the acts is a separate product launch, starting with the 1984 iMac launch, the 1998 Next Computer launch, and, the, and then the 1998 iMac launch. So these are three launches where Aaron Sorkin chooses these to be the venues and then uses flashback and just crams in all of these. Uh, it's very dialogue-heavy film, as all Aaron Sorkin scripts are, but it, it sounds like music. He's just such a great writer. His word gymnastics, the way that these characters interact with the, his dialogue is incredible. So if you're a Aaron Sorkin fan, definitely go see this movie. You'll enjoy it just on that account. If you're obviously a tech fan, an Apple fan, obviously well worth a look behind the curtain, uh, literally behind the curtain of these events uh, where Aaron Sorkin happened to position all these these other conflicts. You've got to remember, he did look, he had to create a film that was entertaining and what drives a film is conflict and drama. And he plucked out all these things that happened in the book and decided to pack them in to these three episodes just to paint a picture of Steve Jobs that, as I said, isn't the most flattering. Anyone who's read the book knows there's more to Steve Jobs than you see in this movie, but uh, the 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 things that that 
Aaron Sorkin has chosen to focus on. One is the uh, initial denial of paternity to uh, a girl, a young girl, his, a, a girl who turns out to be his daughter, Lisa. That was a, a part of the film where he, he denies that he's the father, uh, and that causes obviously a fair bit of hostility, a lot of friction, a lot of drama. And the other things he looks at, just the struggles behind his belief on what the company should be doing. Uh, it shows uh, quite dramatically how he was kicked out of the company, his disagreement with uh, John Scully, the CEO that he recruited from Pepsi. Uh, it shows his, his quite uh, uh, love-hate relationship with Steve Wozniak, his co-founder uh, in the business as well. Uh, does show the, the biggest part of the, the, in the film, apart from Michael Fassbender's portrayal of Steve Jobs, is also Kate Winslet's portrayal of Joanna Hoffman, Steve Jobs' longtime PR manager, assistant, work wife, she calls herself in the movie, and she is incredible. Her performance, as well as Michael Fassbender's performance, have earned them both Oscar nominations, well-deserved. I was surprised that Aaron Sorkin never got a nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, this script is, is excellent. It does it is quite emotional, and it does it does follow this this very turbulent period in the uh, in Apple's history in Steve Jobs' life story as well. Uh, it does show the period where he was kicked out of Apple and returned triumphantly to Apple to get them back on track. It doesn't go any further covering the the world changing products like the iPhone, the iPad, the iPod, all these other products that come after uh, Aaron Sorkin chose to sort of to to put it to set it in this period of time that was obviously the most dramatic. Steve Jobs, the film opens in cinemas on February the fourth, and you can read my thoughts on the film. I did see it last week at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finney. Tech Guide the Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. They've released their new Nighthawk X4S AC2600 Wi-Fi VDSL ADSL modem router. It's perfect for connected Aussie homes. It does everything. It's the modem. It's the router. It's an all-rounder. Netgear's latest edition of the Nighthawk family is a high-performance piece of kit. It's specifically built for streaming, for gaming, and for connected homes with lots of devices, which is every home. The Nighthawk X4S or D7800 will deliver AC Wi-Fi speeds of up to 2,600 megabits per second and supports both ADSL and VDSL connections. VDSL has been used in the NBN rollout, so you know it is a future-proof device. It's the first modem router on the market to support the latest Wave 2 Wi-Fi technology with quad stream on both bands and multi-user MIMO capability. That's multiple in, multiple out capability. This means maximizing connection speeds for faster streaming, faster gaming, and less buffering. So if your household has lots of devices, loves streaming Netflix, loves online gaming, you need to check out the new Nighthawk X4S Wi-Fi modem router from Netgear. Search D7800 at netgear.com.au. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is uh, all about a little product I use at the Easter show. I had an interesting email from Krista Valanti, who saw me at the Easter show, for those of you who may remember, who attended the Easter show in 2015 and 2014, I hosted the Tech Arena 
and gave some talks there, gave four presentations a day in the Tech Arena Theatre. And I use a little technology called Zetings. Now, the question from Krista Volante was, I was at the Easter Show last year and watched your general tech presentations. You gave a URL for all to sign up and view the presentations and take polls on their personal device. Would you be able to tell me what you need, what you use? Well, what I used was a technology called Zetings. Now, this is a way for you to make your presentations interactive. Now, at the Easter Show, what I did before every presentation, I told everyone, log in to, you can log into the presentation. You'll be able to see it on your device. When the screen behind me changes, it'll change on your device, and it'll also make it interactive. You can vote on polls. You can interact and, and, and answer questions. So on your device, you actually voted uh, for in, for that particular question or poll that we were conducting. The technology is called Zetings, and before people viewed the presentation, they simply had to log into a, a URL. So on their browser, they went to www.zetings.com.au forward slash tech guide. Uh, so what they did then, they uh, as soon as they logged into that, the, the presentation was live. Uh, once I started the presentation, it came up on their phone, and as I changed the, the screens on my on my big screen, it changed on their devices as well. The crowds loved it. It allowed them to vote on polls, and they could see in real time the answers coming in behind me, the percentages changing. Like, for example, I asked, what's your favorite type of app to use? And the selections were games, social media, photography, and everyone, as they were voting, could see the results coming up on the screen. I asked them questions. What's so special about OLED technology is because it doesn't need a backlight, lasts forever, etc., etc. And everyone could vote then on what they thought was the right answer. So rather than them sitting back and listening to me talk, they were actually involved. They were interacting with the presentation, and it was a huge success. So anyone who does need to make presentations to a large groups of people regularly on a regular basis or a one-off, Zetings is well worth exploring. So head over to www.zetings. That's Z double It's like meetings, but with a Z Z instead of an M, zetings.com.au. It is a great way to make your presentations come alive. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that is our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get get in touch with us, info at techguide.com.au is the email address. A special thanks to our two sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure having you with us once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week, though. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.